you're standing in front of 40 people. 40 people that have a lot of animosity towards Christianity. 40 people that are outwardly worshiping someone or something else. They have built things. They turn to you and say, well, what's your story? What's the message of Christianity? Would you be ready to speak? Would you be ready to share with them the message of Christianity? Or maybe you won't be in front of 40 people and in front of a bunch of wooden and stone statues. But what around the, what around the dinner table on Thanksgiving when your cousin says, oh, all those good godly people just continue a lot of problems in the world. Where's your good God now? Sitting around the dinner table with people who you know well and they know you well. Sitting around the dinner table with people who you'll stand beside their bed in their last dying breath. Do you know what you will say? Do you know how you will tell them the story of Christianity? Because if we believe the story of Christianity, if we have experienced the story of Christianity, we have no choice but to what? Tell the story of Christianity. If you go to a restaurant and it's fabulous, what do you do? You tell someone about it. You find a great vacation destination, what do you do? You recommend that destination to other people. We all do that all of the time. We're constantly telling stories about things we appreciate, things we enjoy. Are we telling the story of Christianity? And if we're going to tell the story, what are we going to say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say is the message of Christianity? The Bible is an extremely complex book. If anyone ever tells you that this book is simple, they have not read it. This book is not simple at all. At the same time, though, this book is not a collection of random religious essays collected over thousands of years. This book is a collection of a variety of letters and other books and poetry that all kind of has an overarching storyline. Well, what is the message? What is the overarching story of this book? And could you tell it succinctly to people that you care about? Our hope over the next four or five weeks is to be refreshed in the overarching story of the Bible so that we can tell the story of the Bible to others. And that we ourselves get refreshed in the story of the Bible because so often it's so easy to get caught up and think we know what it's all about because we've been going and we've heard it over and over. But we forget the main thing so often. So this next five weeks, we're going to see what is the main thing. And so what we're doing for part of that is, we've got these little bracelets we're encouraging everyone to make. There's two tables in here at the back of the worship center, and there's a table out there in the lobby area. I'd ask everyone to grab a piece of leather, and you put five different color beads on there. The instructions are on the table, and there's a little card there that you take with you. The point of this is for the next five weeks to have a physical reminder with you at all times that you can look and say, what's God's story? How is God's story affecting my story? And also just continue to burn it into our minds and our hearts what God's story is. We should be able to at moment's notice give 
the message of the Bible to anyone and everyone. We have to know it so well that it just flows naturally from us. There's not time to say, well, I'll call my pastor. Well, I'll look it up on the internet. Google that when you get home. We have to know it because we're people. And the message of Christianity spreads by people talking to other people. It's the only way it spreads. This bracelet is just serving as a reminder of God's story. And this morning we're starting to understand what is that story so I can talk with confidence at the Thanksgiving dinner table. What is that story so I can stand by the deathbed of a loved one and remind them about the story so they can cling to it. The story begins in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 of the Bible. I want you to turn there with me this morning. The very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Some of you probably haven't been here since third grade Sunday school. Begins to lay the groundwork of what, of what the Bible, what Christianity is all about. This morning I want to share with you three things that we need to know about creation. Because creation is where it all starts. You and I are not here today if there is no creation. Whatever we believe about creation doesn't matter for the moment, but if there is no creation, we're not here. So what is it that we should know about creation? The first thing we should know about creation is look with me at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice where it starts. God is already present. God is everlasting. What we have to remember about creation is that God is not created. That's one of the points that Paul makes in the sermon in Acts chapter 17 that we were just reading this morning. He reminds them, hey, hey, God wasn't made by you. God wasn't built with your stone or your wood. God's existed for eternity. Notice where the creation story starts. It's God already exists. It's not in the beginning God was created. No, it's in the beginning God created. God is everlasting. Now, logically speaking, this doesn't make sense. Try explaining this to a third grader in Sunday school. You can't. You can work every which direction. It can't be done. It doesn't make sense. It's simply a mystery. But this is a revealed truth of God's Word that's non-negotiable. God has existed for eternity, has always existed, will always exist. The second thing that I want you to notice about creation, and Genesis chapter 1 now, just goes through and it kind of lists out seven days, describing God's creative work. And I want you to notice something that kind of gets repetition here, said over and over. Look down with me at Genesis 1, verse 10. And God saw that it was good. Now go down to verse 12. And God saw that it was good. Now verse 18. And God saw that it was good. Now verse 25. And God saw that it was good. He's seeing a common theme, a pattern. Whenever it speaks about God creating something, now look down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Obviously, the author, whoever is writing this poetic overview of God's creative work, is trying to get across a point. The point is, when God creates, it's good. Creation is a good and harmonious gift from the everlasting God. 
It's non-negotiable that creation is good. And so often we get this wrong as Christians. Now you can fall off the, the bandwagon the other side, but so often we're like, ah, it's all. Well, God created is good. He meant it for our good. It's harmonious. It's, it's, it's good for creation. It's good for us. We should enjoy it. We should respect it. It doesn't own us, but we respect it and care for it because it is good. God has been everlasting, and when God creates something, it's good. The third thing about creation is this. Now jump to chapter 2. Some of you maybe haven't noticed this before, but in Genesis chapter 1, it goes through seven days. Now in Genesis chapter 2, it's almost like someone else is writing and gives us a little different angle of creation. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it starts by saying, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. A little different approach than on this day. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Now go down with me, if you would, to to verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and in the east there he put the man whom he had formed. The third truth about creation we have to know is this. All of humanity owes their existence to God. Because all of humanity flows from this one man whom God has created. That's what Paul says in Acts chapter 17 from the sermon that we read earlier. He says to them, hey, every nation, every nation comes from this one man whom God has created. I exist because of God. I exist because of God. Say that with me. I exist because of God. Okay, humanity did not just happen into place. Humanity did not just come over a matter of time. Humanity was formed by God. When Jesus and the Apostle Paul in the New Testament reflect back on creation, they don't, I don't know if they ever talk about like animals and all of that stuff. The only time they talk about creation is they talk about Adam, the human being. And they refer to Adam as an actual person who lived. That's who Paul's referring to in the sermon. And Jesus also refers to it. By saying back, hey, everybody comes from this one man. In other words, there would not be humanity without God. I exist because of God. God is everlasting. God was not created. God creates. What God creates is good. And all of human life comes from God. For it flows from the initial man whom he created. Now, whenever we start talking about creation... Usually the temperature goes up. Debates start happening, but then also what? Some mocking starts to take place. And you've probably been noticed the mocking is alive and well in the city of Sioux Falls recently. I don't know how you missed this, but in about five or six places around the city, somebody had purchased billboards and said very bluntly, anyone who teaches creation is a witch doctor. I mean, he couldn't have said it. There was no gray. It was pretty clear, their intention. Anyone who believes creation, anyone who teaches creation, you're a Cool. So anytime you bring up creation, it gets a little bit interesting because there's this perceived irreconcilability between science and God. And so this morning I want to talk just for a few moments about, well, how do we deal with this issue of evolution and science and God? Does evolution disprove the Bible, therefore disprove God? So what is our response to evolution. The first thing is this, and I really want to encourage you to know this. The truth of the Bible 
is not dependent or certified by scientists determining the age of the earth. The truth of the Bible is not determined or certified by scientists determining the age of the earth. The argument usually goes like this. Somebody will say, hey, it's pretty clear from science the earth is millions, if not billions, of years old. And you've been going to a church who teaches that the, church is, the earth is 6,000 years old. Uh, I don't think so. Your Bible's not trustworthy, therefore there's no God. I mean, that's a pretty logical, clear argument that they make. Because some Christians have been arguing pretty forcefully and loudly that we're 6,000 years old, and at a max 10,000 years old. Well, the science community then says, sorry, what you're reading is inaccurate. Okay, we're missing the whole point. First, the point of the creation story is not how long it took for God to create or how long He decided to take. I know this might ruffle some feathers in here this morning, but I want to share with you two faithful positions you can have as a follower of Jesus Christ. The first is this. When it talks about days in Genesis chapter 1, it may literally not be talking about a 24-hour period. Each day might be thousands of years of a generation. That's why I read Genesis chapter 2, because that says it right there. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When's the last time you called a day a generation? So one way to understand creation is this, is that the earth actually is millions or billions of years old. And what we have in the Bible is the lineage of humanity. So God may have created humanity 10,000 years ago, but earth itself may have been here. That, that's very well possible. That would be a faithful interpretation of the book of Genesis. The second interpretation of the book of Genesis is, is pretty straightforward. God could have very easily created a mature earth. So let's say a scientist would have came along on day number seven. If you take it literally, a scientist comes on day seven. A scientist could have done their... No, God created a tree. Wow, these tree roots are 10,000... It's as though it was 10,000 years old. God can do that. If God can't do that, we really don't have a God. We have something that we've created. So there's... Science does not go against Christianity. Christianity doesn't go against science. The truth of the Bible is dependent upon one thing. One thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The truth of the Bible comes down to that fact. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If Jesus is still dead, this is a bunch of hooey. About a third of it then is just completely made up straight lie. The whole thing comes down to, did Jesus rise from the dead? That's what it's dependent upon. So I want to encourage you this morning, when you hear all this talk, and what you normally hear is this, the loudest person in the room. Right? So the scientists who are really opposed to Christianity are the ones who speak. The scientists who are Christians rarely speak at all. And that's fine. But we always hear the loudest person in the room. Not all science things against each other, following after Jesus Christ. We don't have to pit the two against each other. So can you believe in evolution and be a Christian? Well, depends on what you mean by evolution. If you're a naturalistic evolution person, which means that over a time of period, 
something came from be a follower of Jesus Christ and hold that position. Because you'd be saying to Jesus, you're a liar. Because Jesus says he's existed for eternity. So we cannot believe that something came from nothing. A core teaching of Christianity is that there's always been something. God himself. Now, you can be a Christian. I know plenty. I have good friends who are Christians who believe in theistic evolution. That God initiated the process. And as, as the process just took place and happened. And at some place during the process, God intervened at different moments and, and different things because it's His right. He's God. So again, there's, there's different positions that you can hold. As Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot negotiate that there is an everlasting God who has always existed. That that which God has created is good and harmonious. And every human being owes their existence to God. So what I want to encourage you with today, though, is maybe some questions to help you. Because if you don't have people to consider asking people when you're dealing with this issue of science, the first one is this. Are your scientific understandings about the world the main thing blocking you from following, you from following Jesus? So the goal of this question is to bring out, is it really science that's causing the issue? previous experience as a young child in a church, hypocrisy from their parents or other family members. Trying to under, it very well could be science. You just want to get the truth on the table. So you're trying to understand where they're coming from. The second question that I encourage you to ask is this, or just say, help me understand how science conflicts with being a Christian. Help me understand how science conflicts with being a Christian. This is really important to say how I've got it articulated because I'm right, but that's beside the point. But you want to get this one somewhere in the ballpark. You don't want to say, hey, help me understand how science conflicts with Genesis 1 and 2. That's a total different conversation. How does science conflict with being a Christian? This maybe will bring out what they perceive it means to be a Christian. And maybe their perception of being a Christian actually isn't what the Bible teaches is what it means to be a Christian. So again, you're trying to understand one another. And it provides you the opportunity then to say, well, thank you for sharing what, what you understand. Could I share for just a quick moment how I can be a Christian and, and it still agree with science? So I just want to encourage you with some questions that maybe can help provoke some conversation. And then finally on the science issue is we need to eat some humble pie. And the humble pie that we need to eat is this. Your beliefs are absurd. Yes, no, I'm being serious right now, as your pastor. What you believe is absurd. You believe that someone named Jesus, human being, that being had existed for eternity and participated in creation. Okay, that's absurd. That doesn't make any sense at all. And we just have to acknowledge the core tenets of Christianity are to save us. Okay. Folks, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, why not just do X, Y, and Z instead of killing your own son? And therefore, we rest on one thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It comes back to one event. 
the resurrection of Jesus. Did it happen? If it happened, that weird stuff that we believe, absolutely true. It's been testified and affirmed by the resurrection of Jesus. If the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, guess what? That weird stuff is what? Just weird stuff. We're using to bring ourselves some comfort and peace. It all comes down to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the story begins with God. You and I, our story begins with creation, that we exist because of God. And our goal today is not to leave here as scientists able to defend the biblical doctrine of creation. That's not the issue. God's not saying, hey, I need some people to put up billboards around town to defend creation. That's the last thing Christianity needs, is to get into a billboard argument. God's not asking us to defend Him as Creator because guess what? He's Creator whether we believe it or not. What He's asking us to do is this, to live faithfully as His creatures. So what does it mean then to live faithfully as a creature of God? What God wants from us today is pretty simple. He wants us to acknowledge Him as Creator and to engage with Him. Acknowledge and engage. Some of us are really good at the acknowledgement part. Yeah, I believe these things here. But then outside of that, we don't really engage with God in the day-to-day life. That's not what God wants. Sometimes we have a view of God, kind of like that toy that you have, that race car, where you push down like this and then it just goes off on its own and it's just whatever happens to it, if it hits the wall, whatever. Some of us think that's how God just kind of press the start button, the next thing you know, it's like, whatever, eh, and God's just sitting up there going, oh, this is kind of fun. Okay, that's not how God created, and it's not how the Bible speaks of God's activity. It's kind of like this. If we have a dirty diaper at home, can you imagine the response? My wife says, hey, I think we have a dirty diaper, and I said, yeah, I kind of think we have a dirty diaper too. <laughs> Do you think she's looking for some acknowledgement that we have a dirty diaper? She's looking for what? Acknowledgement and engagement. Change the diaper. You know what? God's looking for the exact same thing. Acknowledgement and engagement. Where you say, yes, you are the to worship God in all of life. That's what God wants. Now I'm going to take you back in Sunday school again. Sunday school, how many of you remember Moses? Moses went and saw this guy named Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh was holding this whole group of people in slavery. God sends Moses to Pharaoh to free the slaves, right? Why? Go back and read. So that the people could worship. It says it over and over. So that my people... Songs. No. So my people can have lives that bring me honor in all of life. Worship is more than singing. Music does not equal worship. Worship does not equal music. Music is an element of worship. All of our lives are to be worship, where we're bringing honor and adoration to God in how we speak and how we act. That's how I engage with the Creator, by bringing Him honor in all things, because I'm saying, I exist because of God. The question for you today is not, can you defend the biblical doctrine of creation? The question for you and I today is this, Am I engaging with the Creator who is responsible for my existence? Am I engaging with the Creator who is responsible for my existence?
Let us pray. Everlasting God, creator of all that is good, we give you praise. We thank you for the gift of creation. We thank you for the gift of life. God, awaken our hearts to the beauty of creation each day. Awaken our minds to the gift of life. And Lord, I pray that today you would give each of us a passion, a hunger and a desire to engage with you in a life of worship. God, thank you for creating us. Thank you for owning us. And God, we also say thank you this morning for the gift of science. Thank you for the many of lives that science has saved. Thank you for the many people that are giving their lives to science to learn more about your creation. God, use scientists to bring you glory. Use scientists, Lord, to help us understand your purposes of creation. God, we praise you and thank you for all of your gifts. And we especially now say thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for coming and living in the midst of your creation. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship this morning, we now take time to remind ourselves that we do not have a Creator who is far off, but we have a Creator who has come near to us and live and move and have our being. He is not far from us. Today, this bread reminds you that we have a Creator who stepped into creation because this bread reminds you that God Himself took on flesh and became like one of us. And this juice reminds you that Jesus, God Himself, shed His own blood on your behalf. And so as you come forward and receive this gift today, let it remind you that we do not have a Creator who is far off, but we have a Creator who has come near to each of us so that we can come near to Him. Jesus gathered together with His followers the night before He was betrayed. And the Bible tells us that He took bread, He broke it, and He gave it to His disciples saying, Take and eat. This is My body given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Again, after supper, it says in the Bible that Jesus took the cup, lifted it up and said, This is the cup of the new covenant in My blood shed for the forgiveness of sins for the whole world. Do this in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, gauged with your Creator. I want to invite you today to enter into a relationship with your Creator by coming and saying, yes, I receive the body of Jesus. Forgive me. I want to live a life honoring to God. Engage with your Creator. Just repeat after me silently in your heart. Almighty God, You are the owner of my life. I acknowledge that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I ask that you receive me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen.